Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2018. And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with Phil Battle, Creative Arts Pastor at West Ridge Church in Atlanta, Georgia. This week's episode is sponsored by StockUp. StockUp is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited, license-free, 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. And Ross, guess what? Hmm. I don't know if you've seen the new StockUp site, but they have recently redone it, and Ooh. it's a beautiful layout, and oh my gosh, it makes searching I, for I videos. I briefly glanced at it, and, and it looks great. And the thing that I am really enjoying is, man, their, their curation, they are kind of like all full steam ahead uh, with with just cr- capturing some really great content so yeah and they have it all labeled out there for you so you can just go ahead and click yeah you can do it by theme you can do it by the whole whatever yeah it's great yeah it's it's phenomenal it's a phenomenal site and james did a good job on that so uh go check stock up out um they do from aerials to mission videos to christmas to easter stock up has everything you need and they're adding 1000 plus new clips each month stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4k ProRes files you need for only 25 dollars a month stock up is the source for unlimited stock video for only 25 dollars a month download an unlimited amount of files no contract and no licenses if you want to give a stock up a try go ahead and uh head on over to their website at stockup.com that's s-t-o-k-h-u-b.com and right now they're offering a 14 day free trial if you use board slash creative church so go check out stock up that's s-t-o-k-h-u-b.com slash crtv church and go check out that 14 day free trial you get all the access to their entire library free for 14 days so go do check it, it out. now do it now uh you're listening to the creative church podcast where each week we talk about the latest in christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives my name is nick goodner and i'm ross montgomery and we are back uh ross ross welcome back to the podcast yes it's it feels like it's been a year it, well nearly <laughs> Nearly a year, nearly a year. Well, um, happy new year. Uh, how was well. your, how was how was your break? Uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. Um, yeah, just took took a week and a little bit off of uh, work, and this week is a is a short but uh, productive week back at at church. But um, no, it was good. We got to surprise my parents on Christmas Day. They didn't know we were popping over to see them, which are about a five hour uh, car ride away. And so yeah, we we snuck over there and surprised them so it was good that's so sweet i was i think my parents were hoping i was going to sneak up and yeah. surprise them this year um well we, we didn't have a car so we couldn't go up there and drive up there well, so there you go. yeah we, we just well it was eight degrees in kansas and 50 degrees in colorado so we were definitely glad to be back so it's it's 36 today here and i'm like i, I gotta get further south i cannot do <laughs> this florida weather anymore it's too cold um, I was pretty excited. This my I spent my break watching Star Wars. What about you? Um, yes, I watched it for a third time. Took my nephews. Uh, got you know one of their get Christmas gifts is they they love movies. They love um, Star Wars. So I bought those tins from AMC theaters. Those popcorn tins that they had for Last Jedi. So I bought a couple of those and we we filled it up with um, popcorn bags and candy. Gave it to them and then that night 
we took them to see Star Wars. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And in, in your movie theater and, you know, people aren't going to be able to go back and watch your Instagram stories, but I'm going to share what, what was on your Instagram <laughs> stories um, because some of our designer, some of our designer listeners might want to, might want to know about this. Uh, there's a theater in, is it Kansas? It's it Kansas, is Beloit, right? Kansas. It is in, Beloit, in the middle Kansas, of nowhere, North central Kansas. Middle of nowhere. That's where I grew up. Where he grew up. Um, they're showing ads. And listen, if you're in Beloit, Kansas, you're near Beloit, Kansas designers, you got to help out this movie. Because they're showing some, they're showing some ads right now that are pretty bad. I mean, in, in one ad there was Papyrus. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just, just it was, it was rough. The other one, I believe there was like a green and red combo that was like a lime green and bright red combo. Um, and it was, I, I don't even know what the ad was for. I was yeah. just so distracted. Well, and, by and those design. were all still images. You didn't even get to see all the pictures spinning in. You know, like the PowerPoint. Oh, spinning? Oh, oh, yes. There were some spinning images. Oh, oh yes. It was oh. It was a glorious thing to behold. So, so designer, designers, get over to Beloit. Yeah. <laughs> help them out. Help them out. They need some help. Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for our, our, our intro, our, our introduction back from 2018. Uh, we're up we're next, very yes. meta. Meta, just talking about very, the intro in the intro. In the intro. Yep, yep. There we go. Uh, up next is Trending. Welcome to Trending. Each week, Ross and I gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting church, culture, or creators, and we discuss it. Ross, what do you got for us this week? Well, I don't usually do like a whole big New Year's resolution thing, but um, some of the things I'm going to try to do more of this year is uh, I'm actually going to try getting out and running. Uh, I have Mm. several friends that that I can ask and, and really figure out some good ways to do that because I just need to get some cardio in my life and uh, just to keep up with my kids, especially. So um want to do that. But then the next thing um, I'm really wanting to do is, is read more often. And so I, I, I'm thinking about getting a Kindle Paperwhite um, e-reader because you can even check out like books from your local library. If you have a library card, you can check them out through the online portal and all that stuff. So I thought that was a cool thing to do. So I'm going to start trying to trying to read some more, some, you know, development leadership books, maybe some fiction in there. I like Harlan Coben. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So your article this week is you talking about your reading list. Is that right? That's that's probably what it's going to turn into. Well, well let's do that. I love this idea. <laughs> I Because I, I read that I did read somewhere that um, I believe it was a TED Talks article that reading increases uh, your leadership skills hmm. um, and it also increases your vocabulary, which I think everyone knows that. Yep. So and it keeps uh, your brain enriched. So and it, yeah, it keeps your brain enriched, and it's it's. I think it was somewhere between forty five and a sixty percent more effective at teaching people uh, than say a TV or YouTube video is. So there we go. So let's uh see what you're reading this year, Ross. Well, I have started kind of a, a book list, and so we'll have to see how well I make it through it. I was kind of inspired by John Acuff. He did a, a PDF, if you signed up for a newsletter, um, reading 100 books in a year. I don't know if I'll read that oh, many. Wow. I, I don't have a set goal. But just some of the ideas he had on how you can read more, um, I thought were really good. So I'm going to try to take advantage of some of those. I've got kind of a smattering of all kinds of different books. Um, man, from... Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of some, there's some different, um, biographies I want to read like by Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Rob Lowe, Billy Crystal. 
Um, some of those, you know, I want to get into some of the fiction. I like Dean Koontz, Harlan Coben, um, and, and th- those type of people. Um, you know, for some other things, I'm looking into maybe reading some Sarah Bessie. There's one that that's kind of top of my list of hers called Out of Sorts. So Sarah wrote this Out of Sorts book, um, just kind of it's this in process of, you know, working out the things you may disagree with in church, with the community, how to remain a part of that community um, in a healthy way and that kind of thing. And and so I always love hearing different perspectives on things like that. So I'm kind of interested to see what what her perspective is um, through that book. Um, there's also kind of a funny one called What If? Sci- Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions by Randall Monroe. And there's a there's an online comic called uh, XKCD. It has a very specific style, but uh, he has these stick figure drawings and they, they kind of center around science, technology, language, and love. And it's very popular, but he... Um, <laughs> just gets some really funny uh, questions sent to him and he, you know, makes these comics out of them. So he made this book and some of them are like, what if you could build a jetpack using downward firing machine guns? What if a Richter 15 earthquake hit New York City? Are fire tornadoes possible? So, you know, there's just kind of some funny things. I love like kind of sciencey stuff. And um, so I just thought that'd be, it's kind of a funny, you know, he puts a serious spin, almost like a Mythbusters. You put this scientific spin on these kind of funny hypotheticals so for my new year i, I decided i was going to read 100 books because you know john acuff is you know legit but i i'm not i'm not on that <laughs> uh so I, I set mine for 12 so i was like one book a month i can get one book a month i should be able to at least and uh you know i think about 100 books a week a month a year uh, just going back to that real quick 100 books a year that's two books at least a week so i don't i don't know that would be intense for me um but i i did i i came up with uh 12 i'm not going to give you all 12 of mine that i i came up with but I, I did have three that are really really something i think that we probably should all read and the first one is called the disney war if you're a disney buff you love walt disney you love the disney company i recommend you read this book i started reading it um last night and uh essentially what it is is the disney war is an expose of michael eisner's 20-year tenure as chairman and ceo of the walt disney company and it's by james b stewart and uh for those of you that don't know uh michael eisner was the president before bob Iger, who is our current president of disney world and uh, michael eisner was the one who kind of revolutionized the way we think of disney as millennials and he was one that kind of brought disney back into a very successful and profitable company and uh towards the end of his tenure though things got a little bit sour. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that. The second book I had on my reading list, my big top three, were uh, was uh, Hitmakers. The description is this. From the dawn of impressionist art to the future of Facebook, from small Etsy designers to the origin of Star Wars, Derek Thompson leaves no pet rock unturned to tell the fascinating story of how culture happens and why things become so popular. Mm, that sounds and real interesting. I know. I, I was, I read the description there. I was like, Oh, that is, that is the book I want to read. And uh, I would have read it first, but my other books came in before <laughs> this one. So, well, yeah. And then the last one that's kind of on my uh, big three is a uh, shoe dog. Oh, have you yeah. read shoe dog? I, I want, that's on my list to read as well. I didn't get to it cause I have a long list, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, shoe dog is uh, the memoir for those who don't know. Shoe dog is the memoir of Phil Knight, the creator of Nike, which uh, for those who know me, you know, I love Nike. I'm, I'm actually, I, I wear Nikes pretty much solely. I don't think that I have <laughs> another Unintended. shoe brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love Nikes only because our we, we share the first three letters of our name 
uh, mm. Nike, N-I-K, Nick. And if N-I-K. people mispronounce Nike, they're probably just saying Nick anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. so they're saying Nick anyway. <laughs> so that was kind of what's on my big boat. But, but Ross, let me ask you this awesome. before, we, before we move away. What is the yes. one book that you're just looking forward to the most? Oh, my goodness. If I had to pick one book, hmm, that's hard because, you know, it, I, I'm one of those people that will go into – man, you got to give me a genre. Is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? <laughs> you know, so I'll break it down that way. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess if I had to pick one book, you know, I, I know I'm behind the, I'm behind on reading this book. Cause I know it's been mentioned a lot in a lot of different creative spaces, but I need to read steel like an artist, um, by Austin Cleon or I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, so if I butchered it, I'm sorry, but yeah, I haven't read that one yet. So that's definitely towards probably number one or number two spot in my list. Um, and the other one would be uh, Ready Player One because I want to read that oh, before yes. the movie comes out. So Yeah. I I read I haven't read Ready Player One, but I, I would read that before the movie comes out. Um I did read Still Like an Artist and I have an unpopular opinion about it, so I'm not gonna say <laughs> Oh, I don't mind. I mean yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Someone is gonna get different things. I, I think it's a little overhyped. I don't I don't okay. know. I don't, it's not my favorite book. It it, right. it was okay, but it just I don't, I don't like the idea that you steal things, but that's just me. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. And that's not the whole premise of the book. It's just the title, basically, and then they go into all this other stuff. But Gotcha. You can't get past the title. Don't judge a book by its cover, I, Nick. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm judging it by its title. Oh. <laughs> well, it's on the cover. So it's on, it's on technically. the cover. So uh, here's what I got. Um, Ross, I know we've talked about this before, but, and we just talked about it now, but you don't make very many New Year's resolutions, do you? Uh, not, not huge on it. I mean, there may be things I'm like this year, I want to try something new. I want to try something new every year. You know, I want to do something different. I'm going to actually try to climb more 14ers this year, uh, in Colorado. That's a, that's a mountain that's over 14,000 foot above sea level. And, um, there's 52 of them. I'm not going to climb all 52 this year, but, um, you know, I want to, I want to start climbing some of those this year. So that's definitely on the list. Like I said, running is a goal that I want to try to do. I, I have an outpatient surgery here this month. So after I recover from that, I'm going to be ready to um, hopefully take up running and then the whole reading thing. So those are kind of my my main three. Uh, if Yeah, I can call them goals, uh, cause I, but I don't really have any kind of – I should probably – have some measurable, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, what's, what am I considering it successful when I, when I get there? But um, yeah, those are kind of the three things that that's on the top of mind for me uh, for what I want to do in this new year. Yeah. Which those are great goals. I mean, I, I kind of have some of the similar goals, you know, mine are, I want to get more healthier. I, you know, read a, read a book per month. Uh, then I have like a ton of goals for creative church and uh, a new personal venture that I'm, I'm launching, uh, this next few weeks. And, uh, you know, but I, I happened upon an article today that made me rethink some of my new year's resolutions. And, uh, it was from Ted idea talks and that's, uh, it's kind of their blog side. It's idea ideas.tedtalks.com. They, they had this, uh, list of seven or excuse me, nine creative new year's resolutions, uh, that they had came up with. And, uh, I thought I'd read you a four just to, just to maybe give you a little bit you know, maybe, maybe expand your list this year, maybe pick one of these, you know, to kind of give you a, a creative boost for your new year. Um, number one, do one thing that scares you knowing you'll get rejected. Mm. That's intense. That's interesting. Or maybe not knowing if you'll get rejected or accepted. I don't know. Right, that's true. It could yeah. definitely scare you. I have a friend that's actually doing that. One of his resolutions was to, um, he's actually going to do some open mic stand up nights. Oh, okay. And, wow. uh, regardless of, of how it's received, he's like, I just want to try this new 
creative venture. Um, I mean, he's a super smart dude and, and super cool guy. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. He's going to hit some open mic nights in the Dallas area. So. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm considering doing that myself. I, I thought about doing that. We kind of talked about it on the Pop Culturist podcast uh, that I was considering doing comedy. Um, yeah. and not like for real, for real, but, you know, doing the open mic Yeah, try, trying it out. Yeah, it's just it totally out. a different way to kind of, yeah, how you prep for something like that. And, yeah, that's right. pretty well, cool as process. As creatives, we should be trying new ways of communication all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us sit behind a desk all the time. We talk on email. We might talk on, you know, social media, but we're not getting in front of people and doing anything, you know, live. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, as a creative, I think that it would be exciting to get out and do something that, you know, is a new way of new form of communicating because, you know, that's what creativity is, communicating to others. Um, the next one on the list was uh, talk to a stranger every mm-hmm. week. Okay. And at first I was like, that's hard. That'd be hard to do. Then I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. It is so easy to talk to a stranger, you go to especially church. nowadays. Yeah, there's a ton of people you, you don't know. Go to church. You go to church and people don't know at church. Um, if you're on Facebook, there are people you don't know that are on your friends list right now that you have no idea who they are. Oh, yeah, there and you I, go. I, I don't know if I don't know if that's the same for everybody. I know it's the same for me. Well, you're kind of a big deal, so. <laughs> yeah, so huge. Um, yeah, I got all these, but I do. I have a lot of people on my friends list that they've asked me to be my friend, and I know of them, or I might, you know, out of my peripherals, I might see them sometimes, um, but they're not even an acquaintance, so I add them anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I they're they're considered a stranger, so I can go talk to them. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll put that one on my list. Uh, the third one that I picked from here was say yes to everything for one month. It could get real dangerous, but don't don't double book. So you'd have to say no if it was double booked. Right. There should be limitations to that. Yeah, one. I was going to say I, there's I probably like some understood common sense things about it. Right. Don't say yes to peer pressure. You know, right. you know there's some obvious things you don't want to say yes to. Right. Um, number four, last one on my list that I, that I pulled uh, was to choose one person you disagree with and take them out to lunch. Ross, have you ever done this? I've not done the take them out to lunch thing, but I've definitely had those conversations. You were um, intentional about having a conversation with them? Yeah, okay. for sure. I have, I have a couple friends that, that we don't, we aren't eye to eye on everything. And, um, but we can, you know, kind of talk back and forth and, and respect each other's position on it and knowing that, um, you know, where, where the other one's coming from. So, uh, yeah, that's, and I think that's why, you know, it's not someone I don't like. It's, it's some of my close friends, but yeah, I, I don't agree on everything with them. So, um, I think that's what makes it a good friendship is when you can talk through those things and understand where they're coming from and, and, and be fine with it. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to convert them. Not everything has to be a conversion. <laughs> right. Right. Next up, our interview with Phil Battle. Phil Battle is the creative arts pastor at Westridge Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he also blogs at his own website, philbattle.com, on practical resources for communications, creativity, social media, and more. And he's passionate about creating high-impact experiences that lead people to Jesus Christ. Well, Phil, thank you so much for joining me today, being willing to talk about some creative things. Man, thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. Um, now, give me a little bit of your background or timeline, whatever whatever you feel is appropriate, as far as just your 
ministry journey to where you are currently as the creative dir- director at uh, Westridge? Yeah, long story short, I mean, I grew up in the church. My, my dad's a pastor um, and never thought I would really ever be able to use creativity in the church just because I didn't didn't usually see how creativity was being used in the church um, in a lot of my earlier years and stuff. So uh, around the, my college years, when I went to school at Asbury in uh, a little town in Wilmore, Kentucky, um, God really started to... to um, to put a lot of different experiences that I had had in worship and um, video and websites and all kinds of things and start to really um, put my heart towards how could how how I could use these things for the church and um, had a few experiences that helped help lead me towards that. And so out of school, I went to work at a big church in Alabama doing web design. And um, a couple years later, I got one tweet that I saw from Tony Morgan, who was working at Westridge Church here in Atlanta, that said they were looking for a communications director. So a couple of weeks later, was was here in Atlanta having some conversations around that, and a few weeks after that, um, moved here to Westridge to become the communications director. So God just used through all that, used a lot of different experiences over my life of of a love for music and and design and all these things, and started to put a lot of different pieces together. And um, so I, in 2010, I started my my role here as the communications director. And about four years after that, stepped up to the um, creative arts pastor role. Yeah, that's that's incredible how you <laughs> kind of wandered into that. I think uh, a lot of people can find themselves in that spot, just kind of filling a need and and making things happen. But I think there's a little bit of a tension, um, especially in ministry with creativity, um, as a lot of creatives really want to you know, do all of the best things they can, um, obviously for a, um, purpose they believe in, you know, sharing Jesus through their creativity. But then sometimes it feels like, and to varying degrees in different churches that that's not necessarily a value. Um, sometimes churches, it seems are just looking for free work from people that can, that know Photoshop or even just have Photoshop. So, um, did you ever experience any of that tension as you were kind of coming into the role? Do you still experience any of that? Like what, what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think one of the challenges that I think creatives have, especially outside of, especially in, in video and, and production and, and, um, and communications, I think, is that there isn't this long legacy of these things being used for ministry. You know, if you think about worship, there, there's been a legacy of that for, for decades and decades. Uh, but when you think about social media, when you think about storytelling and design, these are, these are relatively new things. We're, we're kind of taking new ground at this point. And so for people walking into some older churches that aren't, you know, new, aren't new church plants, there's some challenges there because a lot of, a lot of pastors don't know how to lead the young creatives that are making some of these things happen. So I think there's a disconnect between um, maybe an older generation at times or leaders that didn't have to know how to do this early on, certainly weren't taught this in seminary or anything, um, that they're suddenly in a place where they know that they need to be utilizing some of these new things to help um, tell the story of what God's doing in the church. But 
the challenge of this is they don't know how to how to use uh, how to lead that how to utilize that so there's a, there's really two different sides of of um of people that that they really don't know how to talk to each other so i think that's a pretty common issue that really it, it i think it takes um it, there's a burden on the creative to lead up in ways that they probably haven't always been taught how to do uh and have to have to learn sometimes the hard way for how to how to lead change because it's critical that that creatives not only look at their work as creative, but they also look at it as ministry. And sometimes that's going to mean how uh, for the creative, how to lead up, how to have um, good um, church first conversations with those leaders to know that we're all trying to do the same things, but we've all been given different gifts and we want to use those things to put Jesus on display. So I think there's definitely a tension that we've got to, we've got to better figure out um, leading into this next generation for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing with creatives too, um, in in a church setting, um, they they don't necessarily always feel like they they might have a voice or or they're maybe not welcome at the table sometimes. Again, and I I don't think it's any lack or anybody trying to keep them down necessarily. I know there's going to be individual experiences of that. Possibly, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but um, what's what are some ways, like you said, and maybe that falls on the leadership of um, the other pastors to figure out how to lead that creative, but how are some ways, like you said, that lead up as a creative that they can, you know, make their voice valued, make their their craft, their talent valued at the table? Uh, great question. Yeah, I think I think some of it is creatives tend to be more onto themselves and just happy about what they can create and leaders and, and specifically senior pastors. Um, there's a, there's a weight on, on them that, that most creatives don't fully even understand. I've been given a glimpse of that just with growing up in, in the church with my dad being a pastor, that there's a weight to that, that, that often doesn't, it gets overlooked as well. And so I think the responsibility for the creative, before you think about what you're creating, is to, to best understand and know the heart of your pastor and your leadership and to be able to create things that add value to those things. Um, and when the, the biggest disconnect I see just from talking to other church leaders and, and pastors is that is senior leaders don't feel like creatives um, understand, understand what the church is trying to do. They just feel like they're trying to build a silo often. And I know that's a, that's a broad brush there, but that there's a tension of just not feeling like they're, they're on the same page. Um, and so, I think as a creative, you, one of the one of the things that I tried to do in my first couple of years as I was I was learning um, our culture here at Westridge was I really wanted to know and study um, our the the things that my um, my senior pastor Brian Bloy the things that he values the things that he really cares about. Because at the end of the day, I wanted to build trust before I was creating things that were going to, um, you know, creating different things for the church that you can't, it's hard to create things with, if you don't have a foundation of trust. So by, by understanding and valuing the things that um, our, our leadership values, we now have a common ground to work off of and a trust to know that I'm not just trying to go off and create my own thing. Um, that may be apart from the vision and direction of our church, but we're working off the same playbook, but we've just got different plays on how we can make those things happen. So I, I, for, 
for the creatives out there that that feel like you don't have a seat at the table, I would just encourage you to start start having a conversation with your senior pastor. Just just figure out what are the things that he really values, or or also. Um, what are the problems that he's burdened by? What are the things that he or she really feels like, man, I, we've got to figure this thing out. And that's where creatives really can come to come to play and add value in areas that that people don't always know you can add because you're solving compelling problems that there isn't a solution for. And at the end of the day, that's what creativity is. That's solving it's solving problems. It's not just about coming up with something from thin air. It's taking something that is broken and finding a compelling solution for it that leads to compelling change. So that's I think that's your secret for creatives that feel like they don't have a seat at the table or feel like um, you know no their their leadership doesn't get them. It's up to you, I think, to to lead up in that way to understand that that you're on the same page. You want to um, you want to make the same things happen and help and and build trust in that way before you try to just ram creativity through their throat and feel like <laughs> they don't get you. Yeah, as I came on to media director at the church I'm at um, here in Colorado, I thankfully came into a staff of trust. Um, you know, they make sure they're hiring the right people that can do the right things and and that they're kind of going through this vetting process a little more intense so they can make sure that, hey, this person fits with our values, with our vision, what's going on here. And so <clears throat> thankfully, our executive team doesn't micromanage, um, but they're also open to having those conversations. And one thing I've found um, even not only at this church, um, but um, in past uh, churches that I've volunteered and worked for, I think one of the important things, and, and you were just saying there, find out those values. But then I, I think if you inject those values into the why behind the projects that you're doing, that will also help build trust and let them see that you get it. Like you're, okay, why are we doing this project? Why am I hitting so hard on these social promotions? Why am I really wanting to put a lot of weight behind this video or this storytelling aspect? If you use the verbiage literally that the executive pastors use for the vision, and obviously we want, you know, hopefully you're agreeing with it, you're going along with it. If you inject that and explain the why behind it, I found that is one of the fastest trust builders, as, as you were saying, just, I don't know, that's, that's really incredible to, to see happen. For sure. And I think the tendency both on senior leaders and creative sometimes is to focus so much on the what before leading with the why. And if there is uh, unity behind the why of the problem you're trying to solve and, and the difference it can make, the what is far more negotiable at that point. Um, if you know that you're building off a foundation of trust and, and common ground. And so it, it, that that would be the, the, I mean, more often than not, a lot of times in my role as creative arts pastor, I'm really trying to drill down to make sure we have a compelling why um, behind everything we do, because that's going to guide the what, the how, the when, all the stuff. The strategy comes together once you know the why and the problem you're trying to solve and the, and the solution you're trying to bring to the table. Yeah. So let's take a hypothetical situation here now, kind of shift gears a moment. Let's say um, there's someone in a creative uh, role uh, could be volunteer, could be part-time, full-time, whatever. Um, but they just find an uphill battle with the leadership at their church and they're considering leaving a position or moving on or 
you know, just really kind of questioning where they're at, what's going on. I know this isn't something that's always written in the books. It's not the the best side of, of ministry relationships, but what if they feel there's this broken relationship or they can't get that trust? Well, I think at the end of the day, you, you're, if you don't have, if you don't feel like you're connecting with the, the vision and direction of the church, then the, the last thing you should do is stay there and cause disunity, even for yourself or for your team or for the staff. Um, because you're, uh, if you are called to be the senior pastor, then you can make some of those decisions, change the culture and all those things. But unless that's the case, if, if God called you to be, you know, a creative on, on a team and you don't feel like there's unity there with the direction you're going, then it's up to you to step aside and not cause this unity that's happening there at the church. So God's going to provide a solution for you in a different way. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be on that, uh, on that same staff. But I think some, sometimes it's really, um, trying to let go of some of the things that we we put on our backs that that really were never never something that we had to do in the first place, you know. So there's probably some things that are bothering you or things that you wish you could fix that are a frustration where you're at that are going to be a frustration wherever you're going to go to. Uh, and so I think it, the key that I would I would encourage everybody to to um, wrap their arms around is is to embrace stewardship, stewardship of what God's given you and do the very best you can with what you have. And if you feel like you can't um, fulfill the the calling and gifts that you've got on that God's placed on, on you, then it's time to step away. But if you feel like you can grow and, and do some, um, do some great work and, and fulfill the calling that God's given you in this season or to embrace what he's trying to teach you in this season, then, then embrace the, embrace stewardship over excellence and, and embrace, embrace faithfulness over, um, fruitfulness at times, because God may be teaching you something in this season that he's going to use for the next. So the last thing that you should do though, is just cause you disunity or, um, or, or feel like you're um, getting in the way of what the church is trying to do. Cause if that's the case, it's time to step aside. Yeah. Cynicism and, and just kind of being discontent sets in. I think that's a sure sign. Something needs to change. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, I know a lot of creatives too. They see, they see other pastors that they uh, listen to, listen to their podcast or, or hear at a conference, how they lead. And it's, with without if you're not careful you can try to um try to create your pastor to be somebody that you want them to be instead of supporting your pastor for who the, who God created them to be and so it's important for us to be good stewards of the pl- the place that God's put us into and and support our pastor in that way because if you don't do that you're not going to have trust and if you don't have trust um it's going to be very hard to work uh, in a unifying way on that staff maybe creatives in ministry are looking at um, moving up from where they are. I mean, it could be anybody from like a one man band to someone looking to move up in creative leadership. Um, man, what are, what are some like everyday realities that you see or you experience that, that, um, really you have to be sensitive to? I mean, it could be everything from like boundaries, being able to say no to certain things, or at least making your limitations known to, to whatever else people might not necessarily um, expect they would come across in the everyday. Yeah, pr- probably, probably the biggest surprise for me has been, um, I, I think for a lot of years, I had the wrong view of leadership. And if you're in a creative role, you're in a leadership role. So it, even if you don't feel like you have a bunch of people's 
that are reporting to you or whatever, you still have leadership in you that um, that you need to um, to be able to steward in certain ways. So I, I think for a lot of years I had the wrong view of leadership because I was going to conferences and reading books and hearing leaders talk and and, and everything in me was like, man, if I was just a leader, you know, if I just had leadership, like if I just was the one in charge, then all this stuff would be fixed that I'm dealing with. When in reality, there are things that creative leaders face every day that aren't so sexy, that aren't the the things that um, you hear on stage, that that sometimes when we're faced with those, with those things and, and the realities of doing our, our roles in the church or roles as creatives, that they can feel like um, they're, you know, it, it feels like a reality that we weren't ready for. And so I, at the end of the day, I think I was told the wrong story about leadership for too many years. And the the way that I view leadership now is is very different. And in, in football terms, I know not everybody's a football fan, but hopefully this will make sense. And that, like, I feel like I, in football terms, the, the, what I thought before was leadership is all about being the quarterback. You know, it's all about being um, the one that's just kind of, you know, on display that you're doing all the all the good stuff and um, everybody notices you and and you make, you know, you make all the big plays. But I think in reality, the, the, the view that I have of leadership now is more that you're the lead blocker. Like you're looking an hour ahead of you, you're identifying barriers and blocking, <laughs> blocking those barriers to set your team up for success. But the, the downside of that, too, is there's when you're a leader and you're you're blocking for things you're going to take hits that no one even knows you're taking and you're going to fight fights that no one knows you're fighting on behalf of your team and and also you're likely not going to get the credit for what you do well and you're going to get the blame for some things that um that happen when something fails and so that's the cost of leadership. That's the unsexy side of leadership. And the reality is it's not about you anyway. It's not about getting the credit for, for what you're creating anyway. It's about the audience that you're trying to, um, to impact and create change for them and put Jesus on display in those way, ways in the church. And so it's not about being the quarterback and getting all the credit. Um, it, it, the, at the end of the day, some of the best moments of leadership is when you blocked um, something to allow other people on your team or volunteers or other ministries to you've blocked on their behalf and you can see them get a touchdown and score and, and be able to do the things that, um, that wouldn't have been possible without the work that you did. And that's the win. That's the, that's the thing that, that you, you're not going to get, um, always the credit for, but you know, that, that it wouldn't have happened without you doing what you're doing. So I, I think that's, that's for me, that's the unsexy side of leadership that, um, that I, I did not hear about in conferences, uh, for sure. And there's a, there's a number of things that I, I wish I knew, but like that from a leadership um, vision around leadership and creativity, uh, that's the thing that I feel like has, has shaped a lot of what I've, uh, what I've had to learn in this journey over the last seven or eight years. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, what are some, some ways that you've experienced failure and, uh, and how did you move on from those? Like, cause I, I know, in the past, I would just want to burn all the things down because it didn't work. I'm like, okay, forget it. This is totally worthless. I'm worthless. I put, you know, obviously, um, creatives know they can put a lot of identity into what they create, but with that aside, um, dealing with failure, uh, like you said, maybe something didn't quite get set up the way it should have, or something fell flat when in theory it sounded great. Um, and in execution, it just did not look as great. What have you found to be a healthy way to to look at the failure, learn from it, and then move past it? 
Yeah. I think every creative learns at some point or needs to learn that you are not what you create. You know, that's, that's critical to know as an artist and a creative. And I think there's a couple of realities I've had to learn and just come to grips with is knowing that there's a hundred percent guarantee that not everybody will like what you or your team create and you need to create it anyway. That shouldn't stop you. And the, and also probably the hardest reality for me is I'm a people pleaser. Like I like to be liked. I like to um, work with a team and a staff that um, knows what I do and appreciates what I do and, and likes me. And I'm a, I'm an ENFJ. So that's, that's just part of my wiring. That's how God created me. But as, as a leader and as a creative leader on, on our leadership team, there's some things that I have to do at times that aren't going to make everybody happy. And I, I know for me, I had to realize that the fear of being disliked will cripple me from being effective. And if I let that fear of being, being disliked um, guide my, my decisions and, and the tough calls I have to make at times, it's going to cloud me from making the decisions and the leadership um, decisions that I need to make. Um, and it's not going to help me be effective in what I'm doing, you know? So like an example of that would be, it's, it's so easy. I, I learned this, especially just stepping into my role as a communications director here and really having to build everything from scratch. There were no systems, no staff, no resources, no budget, nothing. Um, and so all it was, was me. <laughs> um, my, my staff meetings were me closing my office door and going into my office behind my computer and having my staff meeting by myself, you know? So that was a large part of my first year and a half. And so I was faced a lot of times with, uh, with coming into a new culture and coming in and trying to, uh, wanting to be liked, wanting to, to earn trust with the other, other staff and leaders. And a very common thing would be, hey, can you get this announced from the stage? And I was, in, in that way, I was driving the things that were being communicated from our church and from our stage. And so the tendency, I would have this internal battle of, man, I know that's probably not the right call for something that we need to announce from stage. It's not something that's going to impact, you know, 80% of our audience, or it's not going to, it's, it's not going to be an effective use of our, our time and our worship service. But there's always that internal battle of, but man, I want to build trust with this ministry and I want them to like me. I don't want to have to keep telling them no. So you're faced with that reality of sometimes having to make a decision that is, is, is more about, uh, is less about thinking like a staff member and more about thinking like an advocate for your audience. And when you, when you have that perspective, it allows you to take away that, that, um, that fear of being disliked and more of a responsibility for the person that's coming into your church for the first time and advocating for that person. And so those are two things of, of, that I've had to learn more just of how to face fear in leadership decisions is, is changing your perspective around knowing that people aren't going to like what you aren't always going to like what you create. And they're not always going to like the decisions that you make, but you can't let that fear of being disliked or fear of, of feeling like a failure, keep you from creating what you've been called to create. Um, I think there's another um, side of that too, is, is, you know, when you do have successes or big wins, um, you know, it, it's easy just to say, oh, well, there's the formula. Let's do that again. And you don't want to get stuck into um, stale creativity. So what are some ways that, that you personally and even with your team, maybe in both instances, that you stay inspired, you stay fresh? Because I think sometimes it can feel like creatives are, you know, you don't want, you don't want the work place to be a place of, man, I'm just coming, got to get my nose down to the grind and, 
get this done. You know, this is, it's always crunch time at work, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be a happy, healthy working environment. So how do you personally and with your team, you know, kind of take that time for rest, um, you know, to have a little bit of airing out the ideas um, to keep creativity fresh? Yeah, great question. I think the, the, Thing that one of the things I'm most grateful for that um, God's really cultivated in our team, and that uh, that that is just a reality of how we roll here um, on our our creative team is that we have an evaluation culture. Um, we have a festivus every every uh, every Monday, an airing of grievances in that way. If you're a Seinfeld fan, um, so I mean, it, and I say that to say every single week. If, if it's something worth doing, it's something worth evaluating. And so that starts with me. That starts with me being vulnerable around the things that I've led or I've created or, you know, I've led the charge on that I need to leave the charge first for myself to say, all right, based off of this and based off of what we just pulled off, what worked, what didn't work, what was missing, what was confusing. And by, by kind of putting myself at that place to be vulnerable, to get feedback, what it does is it creates evaluation culture to know everything is fair game. And it's not, we are not evaluating us as creatives individually. We are evaluating what we created to be able to be better at what we do and to learn what works so that we can keep on um, doing those type of things because it may work especially well for our culture or the things that didn't work so we can stop doing them. The things that were confusing, we want to clarify those things in the future so we can be more effective at it. Or the things that were um, th- that were missing, add some of those things so that we can be more more effective. So I think it's critical to create an evaluation culture so that every week is a chance for you to take more reps and keep on creating things that can make a difference in your in your um, environment. So I think evaluation culture is critical for one to be able to take the time to pause and reflect back on what what happened. Um, but I think it's also critical from from the level of of just taking time to actually dream and be inspired for what God could do in the future um, through through what you could create. And so every Monday for me, the beginning of my day is usually spent on doing some inspiration hunts to take kind of a 10,000 foot view of where we've been, where we are and where we're going. And what that does, is it takes me out of the grind of the Sunday's always coming mentality and gives me a chance to just breathe and dream through um, some of the things that have not yet been created or some of the things that have not yet been done that may have not been on my radar on Sunday night, but need to be on my radar Monday morning. And that gives me the chance to just breathe and reflect on on those things in a way that that um, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, sometimes the tendency for me would be I'd, I'd rather just get into my inbox and, and try to clear out emails because that feels more productive at the time. But the reality is some of the most productive things I can do is dream. Some of the most productive things I can do is is have the time to actually um, take the risk to open up a blank na- notebook, um, to ha- take the risk to open up a blank sheet of, of um, paper or, uh, you know, a, see a white screen and just put, you know, put the tension in, in my life of saying what needs to be created, what problem needs to be solved right now. And I think that keeps me fresh in that way of knowing um, to not get just stuck in that rut of the routine of, of Sunday's always coming. Um, I, and I think through that, by modeling that as a leader, what I'm trying to do is give permission for my team to do the same thing and give them permission to say, um, that just because that's the way it was done before, or just that's just because that's the way we've done it the last couple of years does not mean that is the way that we have to do it in the future. And so by creating that evaluation culture, it really creates the rhythm to where, you know, 
evaluation doesn't have to happen once a year during your, um, you know, evaluation time for staff. It's happening every single week. Um, and, and so that's going to help you create more, more things and not get stuck in a rut. Yeah, for sure. Because I think one of the things that, um, that creatives can come across as organization in their lives as a four letter word. Um, but I think there's a little bit that we kind of have to break down with that. I used to kind of, uh, in my more immature days, <laughs> I would have more of just all the things everywhere, organized chaos, you know, and, and I still have a little bit of that, but I'm, I'm slowly starting to put a lot of things into practice, like blocking out time to do certain things at work, um, to really be intentional about like, kind of the flow of how I do things, not like I'm going to work on this for five minutes, then this for five minutes, then this for five minutes, which my mind will easily default to. So um, what are some things that you found, like you said, you just kind of made those Mondays and stuff, but how do you um, keep that up through the week? How do you encourage your team? Like what are some practical things that you've found uh, work really well for those kind of um, intentional organizing of your time to get things done. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the things I've learned were, were from things that I just fell on my face on that I had to learn the hard way from for sure. So um, I don't have this all figured out, but I, I mean, I, I would say the the first thing that I do that is just critical to how I, I run my week is that I have a weekly rhythm um, that I, I try to create where that helps me map out my priorities and make sure that I don't get stuck in, in emails or stuck in, unplanned meetings or drop-ins and make sure that I'm being a really good steward of the time and resources I have. So for me, that means prioritizing first my Sabbath day, um, because if I'm not at a, if I'm not getting some rest and a break from the, the, the grind of a week, uh, then I'm not going to be effective for the week ahead. So prioritizing that for me, that's my Friday, you know, for, for after that, it's prioritizing that, that big picture and dream time that I was talking about earlier to make sure if I don't do that, then I'm going to get stuck in a rut of just of trying to get tasks done instead of creating things that could change, um, change our community. So that's critical for me. And then after that, I have to prioritize my team because my number one job as a, as a leader on my team, like it is, is to block for them is to, is to set them up for success. And so if I'm not giving them the information or vision or direction that they need to be able to fill, fulfill their roles, then I'm not doing my job. So I'd rather be focusing on them than my email um, or focusing on them than, you know, than other meetings that I don't need to be in, or I just need to say no to. So prioritizing those things, it, it really what it's helped me do is, is, is there's more, a little more detail to that. We could spend 40 minutes just talking about that, but, um, but what it's done is it, I don't look at my calendar like a reminder of when I have to be somewhere. Um, it is that, but really my, my calendar is my production schedule. So if it's something worth doing, it's something worth getting on my calendar. And that helps me get um, more intentional about the time that I'm using. And so if somebody says, hey, Monday morning, hey, can you meet with me on Monday at at 11, I'm going to say, I have an appointment then, you know, so, and, and that appointment is with me by myself at Starbucks where nobody can find me. Um, but the reality is if I don't stay true to, to that time um, for myself, then I'm being ineffective in my role. And that's the case for me. That may not be the case for other people for, for, um, you know, that, that specific part of my week, but I just know that that's critical for me. It's, it's like a, if you, 
put yourself in a, you know, a senior pastor's role. There's times where they need to shut the door and block off, you know, all day on Wednesday to just work on their message, because if they don't do that, they're going to be ineffective on Sunday. Well, we have as creatives, we have our teaching prep as well. We have our creative prep as well that we have to do that. And sometimes the most most um, productive thing you can do is spend an hour on YouTube, an hour on you know Pinterest. And yes, real men use Pinterest. I promise you, uh, some of the best ideas are, are, that I've had have started on Pinterest. So, so sometimes you need to give your permit yourself permission to take an hour and and go out and be inspired because God could use all those different seeds that you're you're throwing out there to use in the future. I mean, for example, the the set design that we're doing right now. Um, for our Christmas uh, environment coming up started with me being attentive to a restaurant that we were at in Dallas, Texas, when I was speaking at a conference over there. And I saw this wall that they did that was just forming two by fours that looked cool, that looked like it would be cheap. So I was taking pictures of that and, and thought, Hey, this, I don't know how this could be used, but this is something that I could use somehow, some way in the future. And so that's how that whole idea was born. And so I, without creating some rhythms in your life where you can be inspired, you get stuck where you don't even look outside of your, um, like in your day to day, you don't even see creativity outside of that because you're not even looking for it. You're not creating rhythms and space in your life to do that. So I just think it's critical that we create space in our weeks and put our priorities in place because otherwise the Sunday's always coming mentality is just going to going to choke out all the creativity that we have and we'll get we'll we'll embrace more the safety of the the weekly tasks that we have to do instead of the tension of uh, of overcoming some of the fears of creating something new that could really take new ground and create something that could really impact our community. That's great. Yeah, getting rid of the fear to to move into what you're really trying to the message you're trying to get across, I think, uh, is a great driving factor for that. Um Anyway, um, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from our lead pastor at the the church I work at. Um, I'd never heard it put this way until um, I I started working here, and it was pretty shortly after. And he said, um, you know, we'll get pushback on using lights and moving the lights and using haze and all of these different things, using video but he was like, I truly see it as the modern stained glass. Like the church should be visual, should be creative. I mean, you see, you go into a Catholic church and they have these beautiful stained glass windows. And when the light's coming in, they, they cast amazing colors all over the area. But then just looking at them um, is really awesome as well. Just taking in all of that. And he said, that's that's a way that we can have people enter in through worship. And <laughs> to be honest, uh several different people in, in our, uh, that, that have a hand in the creative things, like that's how they worship as well. Like through lights, through programming lights, through getting the sound to sound clear, to create an emotion, you know, even though that can sound really technical, Oh, you're just adjusting speakers. No, I'm trying to help people enter into the presence of God. And so just really looking at it from that perspective has really helped me be encouraged and keep a fresh eye on um, the why behind what we're doing. And so I've always, I've always appreciated that. Well, do you have any final thoughts or encouragements uh, that you'd like to offer up? Man, I think where I just encourage you is one to, for creatives to, to look at yourself as leaders, you know, don't, 
don't get stuck into the the day-to-day of just making something happen there's a lot of mundane things that go into creativity that are are certainly not sexy <laughs> for sure that that um that are not always fun and uh, what i try to encourage any creative for is that is just to know that god can use all those mundane little things and use those to put God on display in ways that, that um, have not been experienced before. And all of those little things, the faithfulness you put into those little things lead up to big things and, and God can use you and God can use the things that you create in in mighty ways. And so I, I would just say, don't let the, don't let fear of being disliked. Don't let the fear of creating something new that somebody won't like um, keep you from doing it. Keep creating, keep on, keep on hustling, keep on working through all these things because it's not a, it's not about you. It's not about um, getting credit for it. It's about taking some things that could could actually impact the audience that you're trying to reach and put God on displays like never before. So it, don't give up at the end of the day. Don't give up because what you're gonna what you do um, what you're doing every single week uh, matters. Whether you're tuning a speaker, um, playing a guitar, creating something that that nobody's seen before, every little thing like that um, matters. To find out more about Phil Battle, visit our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group on Facebook and on our Creative Church podcast social network pages. Last week, we asked you nothing because mm. we were off for two weeks, so we have no answers. We was on a break, y'all. We was on a break, exactly. We were on a break! <laughs> Ross, you are channeling your TV um, My, my TV uh, doppelganger. Yeah, your TV doppelganger, Ross. Um, however, we do have a question. Earlier, we talked about what was on our reading list this year, and we thought it would be great to ask you, what's on your reading list this year? Maybe we can buff ours up. Maybe you've added some onto yours from what we've said. So you can go to our Creative Talks group on Facebook or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Creative Church Podcast, all one word. On that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our newly designed website, creativechurch.com. And you can also review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get uh, this earhole delight of a podcast out to more people. Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us by searching our handle Creative Church. That's one word, uh, CRTV Church. Special thanks to Phil for joining us today. You can check out all that he's doing by uh, heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. Also, thanks to Sokka for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out. And go sign up for that 14-day free trial. Solid, solid dudes. Solid dudes. In the meantime, I'm Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com.
love those one-liners every single week. 